honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Go. Yo, welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Izzy, and today's guest is building one of the most diverse team design teams in all of footwear and was influenced by his mother and father just being designers and working in, in the industry and around the industry themselves. So I am so excited to have on Enrique from UGG. Enrique, thank you for jumping on today. Pleasure, Izzy. How are you? I am good. I'm very excited to get into the episode. Um, you're you're someone that's not afraid to say it how it is, and I'm, I'm really excited to really get into that and kind of unpack things with you. But... Before we get into it, can you give an for anybody that is listening that doesn't know who you are, that's been living in, under a rock or something like that, can you give an intro as to like who you are? Sure. Well, I'm Enrique Corby, um, design senior design director, design director at uh, Arc Men's, uh, based in Santa Barbara, California. What? So, Arc Men's. I had someone on yesterday and we were talking about how UGG is having a moment that's what they said they said UGG is having a moment right now where everybody is athletes and everything like that or are you you see them on social media doing their tiktoks and everything like that and they're wearing UGG mm-hmm. how is that for you like I, I know I, I feel like I know you already from our conversations and I know you're very <laughs> Uh, you're very down to earth. So, but how is sure. that for you? Seeing these people, these these people that so many people are enamored with, wearing the product sure. that you and your team specifically had had a huge impact on. Well, it's 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 rewarding. At the end of the day, we're creatives. Um, you know, specifically working on product, and then and then you know, seeing people wearing the products that have come out of your brain. Um, I must say, it's, it's, it's something very, very rewarding. Uh, seeing, seeing, you know, that people are trusting your your thoughts and your expertise to put them together and then and then to wear them. It's, it's fantastic. It's not the first time for me. I mean, I've been doing this uh, for many years right now. I'd say it's, I'm, I've been working on the in the shoe industry for for over thirty years right now. And so um, the reality is that I still get the same buzz that I did get. When I was uh, when I was much younger, uh, by seeing people wearing the shoes I wear, and, and it's not just on the internet. Remember one thing: back in the days when when internet was not so democratic, uh, you know, we used to fly a lot, going to China, going to Asia, going, coming to the states when I was based in Europe, etc. Mm-hmm. And I must say that uh, you only realize how small the world is when you're in an airport in the middle of nowhere and you see somebody wearing your shoes. That's, that's something very, very rewarding. Wow. That, that's yeah. awesome. As a creative to, to see that. And while I'm not developing a product, <laughs> it's it's really cool to see. Like I, I get tagged um, 
when somebody wants to promote the like that they're listening to the podcast and it's so cool seeing the different people just sit back and and screenshot it throw it on their instagram story and tag me and it's so like you said it's humbling when you're working so hard every day and then you randomly like you said you see somebody at an airport or you i like for me i i get tagged in something that somebody's listening to the podcast that's in Europe and I'm sitting in my, my house in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it's just, like you said, it's just such a small world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you were talking or you were, you've been working in the footwear industry for over 30 years. Yeah. It's 30 years this year, actually. Yeah. Oh, 30 years this year. Okay. So I mentioned, I, I talked a little bit about your mother and father. Can you talk, can you talk about your roots? Like where, where did you grow up? And how did how did how did your childhood really shape you into who you are today? Well, I I, I was born in a very humble family, a family of you know a family of workers uh, and shoe artisans to to, uh, to to be honest. Uh, my dad my dad was a shoe artisan, as I said. My mom um, my mom was a tailoress, but then um, you know to to keep the family going, she will do um, she will do handwork and um, and working on trims and etc. for uh, for the shoe industry in the shoe industry as well. She was uh, I mean she was extremely extremely talented. Uh, probably one of the best technicians I had come across. Uh, an artisan and um, and I was basically I was brought up surrounded by shoes and surrounded by pattern and surrounded by fabric and leathers and all these things. So from a very early age, I I must say that I always had an interest in shoes and I always wanted to design shoes or create shoes and. Um, and that's what triggered uh, my interest in shoes. So by the time I finished high school, um, I told my dad that I wanted to uh, to go to design school, and he said, "He said those are no proper studies." <laughs> I said, "All right. So so what should I do then?" <laughs> he said, "Well, you should be either an architect, a lawyer, or a doctor." I'm like great. I said, "And so if I want to study shoe design." He said, well, you have to pay that yourself. I'm not helping you with that one. <laughs> and I said, well, great. <laughs> there we go. So basically, um, I started shoe design. I had to pay my studies myself. So I had to work. I had to work, I mean, for years. I had to work very, very early in the morning until, you know, mid-morning. And then as soon as I was done with the job, I started working at 5 o'clock every morning. That's the reality. So I had to wake up at 4.30, uh, be up and running at 5 o'clock, work till... Say some days were still ten in the morning, other days were still one o'clock in the afternoon, and then I would join school when everybody had been there already. That's the reality. Uh, but my colleagues were pretty cool as well. They passed me all the notes, they keep me on the loop, mm-hmm. etc. So by the time I finished design school in Spain, um, I got offered a job in a French company, um, a big distribution, I mean sport distribution French company called Decathlon. And I joined the design and product creation team. Um, and I must say that I, I ended up first on my promotion in school. Uh, although, you know, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like I don't like bragging, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but but the reality is that I liked, and I was so passionate about what I was doing. I I still have to say that nowadays, when somebody asks me what's your favorite thing apart from family, I said, well, the reality is that I love my job. I. Mm-hmm. I don't go to work every day and say I have to go to work. My work is my hobby. So I feel extremely lucky that I go to work every day and I still get the same buzz 
as I said before, as, as I just again when I was when I was a kid, exactly the same. That's awesome. That's that's yeah. the dream for so many people. Sorry. Just to it's it's the dream for so many people because there's so many people out there that are working those jobs just to to get the paycheck every day. Yeah. And they don't actually love what they're doing, and you're well, you're not only getting the paycheck, you're 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 like you said, you get that buzz every day, every time you absolutely. walk into those doors. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, work. I mean, work and a career is is something that doesn't happen overnight. Success doesn't happen and doesn't fall from the sky. That's all right. You have to go for it. And I know it sounds easy to say I work in something that is my passion and my job is my passion. But the reality is that if you don't put what, if you don't put behind, if you don't put the effort, it will not happen. You can be passionate about whatever you want, but at some point you have to take your chances and go for it. Uh, you know, my path has never been, it hasn't been an easy path. You know, I'm, I'm Spanish. I work in the United States. Uh, I've worked everywhere. To be honest, I have, I worked everywhere except in my country. Because I graduated from school when I was, you know, when I was, well, I was 20. I got hired straight away to go to France. I didn't even speak the language. I had to learn French, go and work in France. Then I was in France and I got hired to go to the UK and work for Pentland, for Lacoste. You know, uh, and then while I was there, a few years later, I created my own thing, my own business. So you have to take chances. But then as long as you believe in what you're doing, as long as you're passionate about what you're doing, and you believe in yourself, I'll tell you what, I mean, you wake up one day and then things are happening. That's, that's, that's the reality. You just have to keep going and stay focused. That's amazing advice. And for anybody yeah. that, really anybody that's listening to that, any part of your, anywhere you're in your journey, it goes so far and it, <laughs> it can span so far in um, just kind of, I think the the correlation between all the episodes that I've had so far is that mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to want to if you're going to do something like in the creative field you have to give it your all and yeah. you have to give it 100% but if you if you it makes it that much easier to give it your all if it's something that you're passionate about and it's something that you love doing day in and day out Exactly that's exactly, that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, so I absolutely. want to talk about your stops in your journey. Yeah. So yeah. moving moving to America is something that anybody like for me moving elsewhere is like a very mm-hmm. uh, it's for a lot of people there it's a paralyzing thing. It's like okay, what well, I, I don't know what all goes into that. So how was, what was that like for you? And why did you, why did you move over and everything like that? Well, the reality is that I, I, I moved, I moved to, I moved to California, Santa Barbara to work for decades in 2016. But then, uh, but then you must think that um, I'm 49 years old and I've been traveling, uh, traveling internationally, essentially nonstop since I was 20 years old is when I left my country and I started working in France. As I said, I've been everywhere. So um, I, I had offers to come to work in the States uh, at much earlier stages in my career. But then 
the reality is that I didn't need those jobs back in the day. I was very happy doing what I was doing in Europe, and I absolutely loved Europe and, and what Europe represents. But then I always had this admiration for this country and what it represents. This country, you know, despite the current context and what's been happening in etc., this country remains a country that is America is the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. America, is, America is a land that is made of amalgamation of nationalities, creeds, uh, ethnicities. I mean, you name it. It's, and basically, it's a, America is a country where you work hard, you work focused, and you succeed, and people clap hands and say, well done to you. you know, and that doesn't happen in many places in the world. And so the reality is that um, you know, a few years ago, I mean, exactly almost six years ago, actually five and a half years ago, yeah. Um, when I got offered this job at Deckers, um, there were many things. There were many things that clicked all the boxes. The first thing was was the challenge, uh, which I absolutely loved. You know, mm-hmm. I, I talked to my to my current CEO and to and to my president. And they said, "Look, we have this brand uh, that needs." That is some work. You know, the men's division is something that, uh, you know, uh, hasn't, hasn't happened until now. It's been living in the shadow of the women's division, which is the biggest side of the business. But, you know, we, we strongly believe they has plenty of potential and, and we need somebody to, to come and think seriously about men's product and put it together. What do you think? And the reality is that I absolutely loved the management that I was going to work with. I love the place. I was given the opportunity to take the team that was existing and then fine tune it, which is what I did. And, and as I said, all, all, all the ingredients were there. <laughs> you know, I just needed to fine tune what, what I had and then, and then, and they keep going and work. So, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, the place is fantastic. I mean, Santa Barbara, honestly, what is not to like about Santa Barbara? It's, yeah. it's just, hey man, it's, 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 it's just beautiful. <laughs> and what is insane is that it actually reminds me of where I'm from in, in Spain, you know, in the south of Spain, which is exactly the same. In fact, the church in the city I'm from is called Santa Barbara. So there you go. Here I am in Santa oh, Barbara. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. It's, yeah, uh, believe it or not. When, huh? when you talk about how nice Santa Barbara is, I'm looking out my window right now, and there's snow on the ground, and it's uh, it, yeah. it's a nice day in, it, where I am in Milwaukee. It's 34 degrees, and there's snow on the ground. And I was so happy that it, the sun came out today that I went on a, a very long walk. But I'm sure Santa Barbara is so much better. It's beautiful from the pictures I've seen. I need to go visit. Yeah, and it's fantastic. So... You're working at, at Decker's for, you said, six years now, right? Or five and a half? Yeah, five and a half years. Five and a half years. You you told me about your team, and that's, yeah. where, that's where I'm fascinated. That's where I want to spend some time on. You said huh. your, your team is full of people of color and that you hire yeah. based off of talent, which should be the case in so many different, in, in any time that someone's, hiring anybody mm-hmm. but that's not the case for a, a lot what how when you started to kind of build out your team what were the things that really stood out for you what were the things that you need you wanted to focus on well a team at, at the end of the day and let's be very very clear a team is 
I is a group of individuals that work together, whether it's in sports, in design, I mean, you name it. A team is, is a set of individuals that individually they have to have talent. And then as a manager or as a director, you have to be able to create interconnections that are functional in between, in between those individuals in order to, you know, in order to, to, to achieve results, um, in this case, design work. So let's, let's use a very silly analogy. So you get a bunch of people in a, in a, in a dark room, okay, where there's no light, and you start having a conversation with people. I mean, how can you possibly judge anybody by their color or their appearance if there's no light? You're not seeing anybody. You're judging people basically by the conversation you're having, the context of the conversation, and the degree of intelligence or not in the replies that you're getting, right? So how can you possibly judge anybody on color, on creed, or, 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 or anything else when, you, when, when what you're interested in is what they have in the brain, is their ability to process information, is the human, is the human qualities. So those are basically the criteria that I use when I hire people. When I hire people, I don't see, I, I don't look at color. I don't look at, you know, some, some people, and this is the design industry as well. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an industry which is unfortunately oftentimes very much focused on looks or, or, or on appearances, you know. But the reality is that what you're hiring is an individual mm-hmm. that you're going to be uh, feeding with information. And what you really want is the capacity to analyze that information and come out with ideas. So basically, I don't see <laughs> where color or religion uh, plays a part in it, really. You know. And that's, that's, basically how, that's basically how it works for me. I hire talent. I don't hire color. I, I love that. And yep. it's, it's crazy for you to now look back at the, the team that you've built and when you're when you're talking about talent it's it, it's crazy that talent comes from all walks of life so now that you're not hiring off of color you you look back at the team right now and you're saying wow look at how di- diverse this team is and and not that you compare yourself to anybody else but i did some homework on after on it after talking to you and knowing the the background of your team and it's truly mm. one of the the most diverse teams, and I think that's where that's where UGG is standing out from the rest. Yep. And it's and it's evident from the products that you guys push out every every season. Yeah, well, that's the reality. I mean, my team. If we want to go into detail in my team, I have Manny, which is my senior designer. Manny's Mexican origin. Okay, there you go. I have Alex, which is a proper American. Alex is from Poland. Then I have Riza. She's my right hand, and I would say she's she's the team senior 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 team coordinator. She's a very senior individual. Risa's a lady, and she's from Philippine origin. Okay, Filipino origin. Then I have Mila, that takes care of kids. Mila's Brazilian, and then I have Ari, which is a black kid. Ari Ari's from Puerto Rican origin. I mean, honestly, if that is not a diverse team, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, and the team works beautifully. They, I mean. Honestly, it just delivers beautifully. Uh, and, and I tell you what, there's something really, really inspiring about putting all these individuals together in a room 
and do brainstormings and briefings and etc. I mean, the, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful seeing good vibes flow regardless of whatever there is. Yeah, that, that's, I would say that's one of my biggest uh, rewards as well as a manager is seeing, is seeing the individual that, I, uh, that I'm working with or I'm mentoring or managing succeed as well despite their, their ethnicity or their origins. Yeah? Exactly. There you go. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yep. So when we talk about UG, as you mentioned, you've been there for five and a half years. Yeah. What's your What's your overall goal for the men's business? What What do you want to accomplish when when you decide to leave UG or you retire or whatever happens? Mm-hmm. What's the what What do you want your legacy to be? Well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, that's a very interesting question. Look, uh, I started as a junior designer, like everybody, working for seniors, and then I have done everything from preparing coffees to cleaning my senior de- senior designers' uh, drawings and doing color combinations until I became a director myself, obviously. You know. So this is not my first job as a director. As I said, I had my own business for many years, and I had done other things. One of the most rewarding things as a professional is is receiving letters or emails or text messages every now and then from your ex-employees out of the blue that tell you, Enrique, I just want to write you a little note because, for instance, it's Christmas and I was thinking of you. Um, I'm doing really well and I'm very grateful that when nobody wanted to hire me and nobody wanted to give me an opportunity, you bet on me, you hire me, uh, you taught me all the things, all the things that I needed to become a successful individual, and now I'm heading this design team, say, at Inditex, for instance, you know, <laughs> one of the biggest fashion companies in the world, or I'm heading this design team here, or I'm this, there, or working for this other brand. So, look, I mean, you know, when I was young, I, I, it wasn't always easy for me either. And I always appreciated what other people did for me and the people that trust me. And I tried to compensate that by working and going the extra mile and delivering so that whoever was the boss of my boss, you know, gave credit to my boss for having hired me. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the things that I tell you what, the day I will retire, if I ever retire, which I don't want to ever retire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the reality is that um, just the satisfaction of having seen people that work with me succeed, uh, man, that is, that is, honestly, that's, that's, that, that for me will be fine. If I can say that like that. There you go. I know. That's, that's perfect. That's, yeah. that's, uh, I, I'm, I think I share the same sentiment as everybody that's listening right now, that if I were to work under a a leader like that, that would answer a question like that, that's a leader mm-hmm. that I want to work under. And that's and it's evident from obviously the, the team that you have right now and um, the team that you've, the previous members of the team, it's, it's something that everybody wants to work for you. And that's amazing. <clears throat> and I, mm-hmm. I learned, I learned from some, um, other members of the organization that you have this infectious personality 
and huh. it, it it really show it's evident throughout the the office and obviously being at Decker's you have all these different brands but you bring this almost different type of um different type of uh mm. attitude towards everything do you yeah. want where does that come from is it is that with your your immigrant background where you've you've come from uh i i don't want to say nothing but you've come from something and then you've really you're now at this point where you you're giving back well yeah i mean that's and that definitely has to do with it it's the reality that i as i said the road hasn't always been easy uh, i know how frustrating it is uh, coming from a humble background uh, and 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 having to literally fight the extra punches to be able to make it through uh, and the reality is that i can see i mean having having been in the industry forever I can see talent and I can see waste of talent or waste of time. And, and, and then again, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't judge or I don't take people's backgrounds as a, how can I say, as a criteria when I hire people. I don't care if they, they come from a wealthy background or not, as long as there is talent. But the reality is that when I see talent and I see somebody struggling and I see there's potential, I, I, you know, I just go for it. And, mm. you know, what, what can I say? I mean, I can give you an example with the same names. Uh, was that three? Yeah, 2016. 2016, I met this kid. Um, that, is, that is a very talented designer. Uh, you know, he has come a long, long way by, you know, being VP of design of some very famous Italian company, and this and that, and whatever. He's a very, very talented kid. And the kid, I started working with the kids. We were working on something, um, a collaboration, something that we were doing at the very beginning that ne never happened. And all of a sudden, from the night to the morning, the kid didn't have a job. And he, he reached out for help. He said, hey, I've lost my job. I don't know what to do, etc. Can you help? And I said, well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Let's get you a couple of freelance programs. That'll keep you going. I'll pay in advance, okay? So you have cash and you can start working and you just deliver the stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he delivered the programs, everything for fine and etc. That helped him being able to carry on. And then from the night to the morning, he goes high. He got hired by this, you know, beautiful job, etc., etc., etc. So now, when I look back. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any need to give in those, those, those two programs as a freelancer. But then the reality is that for me, it didn't represent anything. Okay. Good design is always welcome. Mm -hmm. And then he needed it. So this was a set, this was a situation where everybody was benefiting from the work of each other. Right. And that's a perfect example how you, you know, you get to help somebody and that, that helped. Uh, blossoms up into something even better. So I don't know if that actually replies to to your question more. Then. No, it does, and that's again it it ties back to just being a great leader, and I I love that. I I think that it's leading by example. I I really do love that. Let's get into mm -hmm. the product a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So traditionally, UGG has been something that's a female brand. 
Mm. When you're walking into your first day with UG, mm. what's your mentality? Where, how are you trying to change that that uh, that cultural bias that everybody had towards the product? Oh well, that's that's a very long conversation that could literally last for a few days, but then the keep it short. <laughs> ah. Well, the reality the reality is that the brand was born as a men's brand, but then not many people know that the reality is that the, the brand was born as a as a as a surfing brand that was put together by a surfer that was struggling with very very cold feet every time he came out of the water. So he put together these boots. Uh, that then he started selling in the trunk of his car. But at the very beginning, the, the brand was put together as a men's brand. It just happened that, you know, through, through time, uh, the brand was promoted and seen on people um, on celebrities' feet and et cetera. And then, you know, it obviously grew up into, into a woman's brand. The reality as well is that out there in the market, women's brands and women's consumption is much, is much, much bigger than, than, than men's consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the reality is that it just happened naturally to, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's a problem at all. It's just that, you know, the men's division is is, uh, is much smaller. Uh, I would say men's is around four times smaller than women's. Uh, but then again, there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful opportunity out there because the brand has an absolutely fantastic DNA. It's a brand that is built on values, you know, uh, say comfort fashionability, uh, fit for purpose, function. So there's so many things uh, that we can capitalize on and, and, and build the men's collection. Of. My, my, my ultimate objective, together with my management, is to build a men's brand that is credible as such. You mm-hmm. know, build a proper men's brand, whether it's sandals to sneakers, uh, to weather boots, you know, to, to, to anything. Yeah. I have to admit, and I think I admitted this to you before, but, um, if I didn't, you're hearing it for the first time, obviously, but I have to admit that I was a skeptic when I started seeing, um, more of my friends wearing Uggs. And until I put, as soon as I put my first pair on, Mm. I was, I was bought in. I, I had to kind of, I I guess I'm more of that traditional buyer where I need to go in, try something on, and then just fall in love with it. And now, now, yeah, and now I'm just, I, if Max is listening to this podcast, thanks to him, um, hmm. I am blessed to have a ton of them just around me in my office right now. But it's it's a product that I... I'll tell this story. I ended up um, receiving a pair from my buddy. Uh, it was my first pair. So I put them on and I wore them. It was supposed to be cold last year for my birthday. I, I went to a Chicago Bears game, uh, actually in 2019 uh, for my birthday. I went to a Bears game and they they lost. And uh, I posted on Instagram. I posted on Instagram and I said, that Bears team is ugly with Ugg tagged. And um, it was it, it was crazy because uh, Max reached out. That's when I got to know Max. And then yeah. at the same time, 
it was random, but Jacob Gallagher, he's a fashion, um, he's a fashion, uh, not designer, I'm sorry, uh, writer for the New York Times. He reached out. He was doing a piece on Ugg and how Ugg Munz was coming back, uh, just back (laughs) on the scene. And uh, I was featured in the New York Times because I decided to post this picture about how bad my bears were for that game. (laughs) And it's, it's been really cool, really cool experience ever since, because now I'm, I'm talking with Max and uh, I actually had somebody tag me not too, too long ago when they were, uh, it's a fashion dude in Milwaukee and he was asking for, uh, he was asking his friends and his followers what they think the next uh, big fashion trend is and somebody said i think ug is definitely going to make a huge comeback and mm-hmm. he tagged me and said oh well izzy is on top of this he always is wearing them and posting about them so uh, uh, it, it's it's just cool to see how trends really change and how things come back and everything like that obviously uh, right now we're my, my mom said if she would have kept her her wardrobe from when she was a teenager would have gone back into into style and then been ugly again. But with design, it's something that the, the new silhouettes that come out and everything that come out from, from the brand, how far, how far in advance are you guys looking like spring is about to come and I'm guessing you guys are almost I'm guessing that um, you guys are done with the spring collection. So of course, yeah. Where, yeah, big time. How far advanced are, are you guys looking towards? Well, right now, for instance, look, we, as, as we speak today is January 21st. Okay, January 21st. Right now, we're already working on first, um, on first concepts and strategy for, for winter 2022. Wow. Yep. So, so spring, summer 2022 is buckled up. Uh, in terms of design, that collection was finished a few months ago. So it was it was finished around November. Okay, that's when Spring Summer 2022 was done. Mm-hmm. From design point of view, uh, that collection right now is being put together uh, into into what we call you know the, the salesman samples, sales strategy, and etc. So that collection is being, I would say, is being conveyed to uh, to the buyers. In a, in, a, in, a, in a very few months. But then we, in terms of design and product development, we are already in to fall winter 2022. When we, yep. talk, when we talk collaborations, yep. the, the brand, if anybody goes and looks, there's a ton of them. How much mm-hmm. input and how much collaboration actually happens between you and... Uh, let's just throw out a stamped or a bape or a name XYZ collaborator that uh, you've worked with. How much actual collab, like how much input does the collaborator have and mm-hmm. how do people, how does Ugg go out and really find these people? Well, we have a PR team, you know, in a marketing team and together with a leadership team, you know, my president, uh, et cetera, um, and the strategy is being put into place or is put into place where, where you know, they scout for possibilities in terms of collaborations and they analyze which will be better for the brand. Then uh, these people are approached, a deal is put together. And then once the deal and all the, all the um, you know, say all the legal formalities are back into place, like NDAs, uh, 
contracts. When everything is up and running, that's when design kicks in. Um, so that's when we sit down with these with these guys, um, regardless of who they are, you know, Chris from Stampede or Babe or, or any other people that you know, White Mountaineering, any other people that we've been doing callers with, and then. Both design teams sit together, our design team, their design team. We start brainstorming, you know, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Usually usually we start, the easiest thing to, to, to do a call-up uh, is to start with a with a solid platform in terms of product, something that exists. Okay, say like the classics, like for instance, men's, the new mail, the dustman, scarf, which are very, very, uh, you know, very uh, classic, they're staples in our collection. And then... We can we can think of many many different ways of um, how to create something that is unique for them. Sometimes we just do color, logo, say say work on color and graphics. But then some other times the shoes are literally re-engineered from scratch, like we did, like we did with Heron Preston. Heron Preston, mm-hmm. you know, came to the office working there. Oh, I, I don't like these. And what if we did these and this and what that? And I suppose I said to him, look, you don't like that outsole. I, I see you're not comfortable with it. Why don't we do an EU outsole for you? Okay? He said, cool. Yeah. I said, what will you do? And I said, well, and I will keep it simple, but then I will do a, a whole translucent unit. I mean, you know, when we say unit, we say, that means outsole. Yeah. <laughs> in in, in forward language. I say, I'll, uh, I'll do a, a complete new unit just for you, for that program. You know, and then, and then see what happens. So our senior developer, which is Ken, which is a, Amazing! He's probably the best developer I ever worked with. You know, went back to went went to the factory, developed the outsole, a complete solution outsole with a big orange logo in the center. You know, for for Heron. I mean, he was delighted with the outsole to the point that, as of today, you know, you know, we're not doing any more collab with Heron right now. But then that outsole internally in the company, although we own the IP for the outsole. You know, and we own the outsole. We call it the Heron Preston outsole. Oh, wow. There you go, yeah. And the outsole is not a Heron Preston outsole. It's an AG outsole. It's just simply very specific for what we did for him. But then it has become the Heron Preston outsole, and we use it on other programs. There you go. So that's one that's one aspect of, of, of collaboration. But collaborations can happen literally in many different ways, but they are always, always, always very thoughtfully uh, taken care of by the management team. Oh, I'm sorry, sure this is this is. A, team, yeah. I'm sure this is a tough question because you've worked on so much. But do you have one that comes to mind that really that you absolutely love that you couldn't go without? Collapse. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean. I... I like, I tell you what, I like almost all of them. I mean, the white mountaineering collabs, I absolutely love. Uh, I think yeah. they're really cool. The collab that we did with Chris, with Stampede, um, or Stamp, or whatever you call it, um, that one is one of my favorites. Um, because I, I think it's, it's, it's a very objective collab based mm-hmm. on the brand DNA. Uh, the product is... Uh, is very directional in terms of in terms of design, but remains simple, understated, yet unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that collab is up my I would say is my um, is my favorite. Yeah, the stamp so far. Yeah. 
That's amazing. So we're working. We're working on another call that I cannot. <laughs> I cannot disclose right now. Which unfortunately, he's yeah. he's worked on a few. So are are you talking about the the latest one that uh, was just released? Yes. Okay. Exactly. That's that's one that uh, I fell in love with immediately, and I yeah. I saw it and I was like, wow, that's yeah, beautiful. But so, Enrique, I have some some designers and some aspiring designers that listen to the podcast. Yeah. Do you have any, like if you were to sit in a room with them, what advice would you give them? To trust the guts, A, to stay humble. Humble, stay humble doesn't mean, kindness doesn't mean, doesn't mean weakness. Okay. That, you have to be very clear with that. Okay. So that's my fair advice. Kids have to stay humble. But kids have to stay motivated, and kids and new designers have to stay focused, and they really have to know what they want to do and what they want to be. And then, and then just set milestones in order to achieve the goals. But then, you know, stay humble, stay ready to listen, be ready to listen, be ready to learn. Uh, the road is not always easy. But then just keep going and stay very, very, very focused. You will always have. I mean, one of the worst things in the industry is when you bump into a frustrated creative, you know, that didn't make it or whatever, and tries to put, you know, young designers down. Don't take any of that. You know what? There's always something to learn, even from negative people. So my advice, try to learn as much as you can, know exactly what you want to be, and go for it. That's it. That's amazing advice. Yeah. I, I have one more question for you. Course. When it's all said and done, what impact do you want to leave on the world? Not uh, the world. Well, I hope. <laughs> Good question. I hope <laughs> I will have raised the needle. Uh, you know, I hope as a professional and as an individual, I hope I will have raised the needle in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of not accepting limitations in terms of creative boundaries. I always said to my designers and to anybody that works with me, I said, I said, look, this is what we expected to do. I mean, that is basically what everybody does. Just think outside the box. If there were no creative constraints, what would you do? Okay? Just project yourself as far as you can. Then we, we know. Don't worry. We will have time to trim that down and make it commercial and make it into a, into, into a price of a just you know, just, just think outside the box. So to reply to your question, I would like to leave a legacy for other creatives, for them to be able to always think outside the box and keep pushing creative boundaries, man. It's, uh, and I, I must say something. Mm-hmm. A, few, a few years ago, I was very concerned about the fight I was seeing in the industry because everybody was just copying each other. Uh, nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was taking any chances, etc. I must say that what could I say? The last three years, I have seen the amount of creative talent that is flourishing and is flooding the market is insane. So I think I think we're in for for a few decades of very very interesting creative context. Yeah, a creative revolution. Correct. Yeah, I'm, happening. I'm excited, and I'm very excited to see 
what you and your team come up with in the, the next few years, really. I'm I'm very, very excited. And I appreciate you jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast, Enrique. We're going to have to do this again um, when we start getting more product out. An absolute pleasure. Anytime. Yo, thank you for checking out this episode of the Strange on Purpose podcast. I literally could not do any of this without you listening today. So thank you again. And if you're interested, check us out on Instagram at strange on purpose, or check out our website, strangeonpurpose.co. I have a newsletter that should be dropping very, very soon blog post to come with all of this. And hopefully when COVID restrictions end, we can do some live events and everything like that. Thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you tune in to the next one.